Hi, and welcome to Journeys to Belonging podcast with host Dr. Eileen Winokur, featuring awesome educators and leaders who share their journeys, advice, and personal stories about feeling a sense of belonging. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Journeys to Belonging. On today's episode, I will be sharing with you a bit about polyvagal theory and how it relates to uh, self-belonging and how we can all benefit from being more aware of how our unconscious autonomic nervous system works in order to be able to self-regulate and create a greater sense of well-being. Uh, some of what I will be talking about, I have researched and learned from practitioners like Deb Dana and Michelle Chalfant. I will include all of that, uh, any links uh, in my show notes. Uh, Dr. Stephen Porges, of course, is the key person for creating or finding the poly polyvagal theory um, and defining it, uh, of course, links to his work uh, that's directly related to this podcast will also be in my show notes. I want to start out by saying that I am not a clinician, I'm not a psychologist, I am not someone who uh, pretends or portends to be someone who is an expert in any of this, but I have personally lived it, and the more I research, the more I realize how connected what I have been able to do in order to improve the way I react in situations and the way I'm able to feel calmer and more proactive rather than reactive uh, is directly related to things I'm finding out now in my research, uh, especially related to polyvagal theory. So I am going to start out with a, a personal story because I, I think it sets the tone for and it gives you an idea of, of where I'm coming from and where I started. So as I was growing up, uh, I came to a point probably sometime in late middle school, junior high, early high school, where... I found it very difficult if I received uh, negative comments, uh, what I perceived as negative comments about my work, especially my writing. So let's say I had an assignment for English and because I tortured myself at the time, I love writing now, but at the time I believed that it had to be perfect on the page the first time. And so because it was so difficult for me to 
get my words out and for me to complete a writing assignment, I often found it even more difficult to listen to any, any kind of help or suggestions, which I perceived as criticism. So my self-talk at the time about my writing was if someone, even my mother, uh, who was trying to be helpful, or an English teacher, even if I liked the English teacher, spent time um, or wrote comments on a paper or gave suggestions for how it could be improved, I would take it as my work is terrible. I don't know what I'm doing. I'll never be able to, to write well. And so uh, the more I spoke to myself that way, the more my self-talk was so negative about writing, the more difficult it became to sit down and write. And so this is just one of the examples of, of my inability to really see that people were trying to help me, but I believed it, because I lacked a sense of self-belonging and a sense of self-efficacy and self-confidence, I believed that they were criticizing me or finding fault with, with what I had done. And I had worked on it so hard that it was, I took it personally. And we know writing, writing to a certain extent, even though we're writing for an audience, um, it's, it is very personal, even if it's not a personal story, but we, you know, we represent ourselves in our writing. So if someone makes a suggestion about how to improve it and we're, we don't believe that it needs to be improved or, we don't believe in ourselves and our abilities, then what happens is we, we begin to sort of collapse under the weight of, of all what we consider this criticism and our self-talk represents that. Eventually what would happen is I would come home and of course my mother would, you know, ask me how that my day was. And, and I would tell her perhaps that I had a an English assignment, or I was working on a paper, I was finding it very difficult. And as I said, in order to be helpful, she would ask me if I'd like for her to take a look at it. And I would immediately storm upstairs to my room and uh, slam the door. And which, of course, she didn't really understand why I reacted that way. She was trying to be helpful. But in my mind, I, I needed to shut it all out. I became um, very uh, involved in my, basically my nervous system reacted that I needed to be safe. And in order to be safe, I had to go into uh, what polyvagal theory calls the dorsal system. So into dorsal mode. And so that's, that's sort of an idea about my story. Uh, I think that you can see I probably was overdramatic. Um, and I, I, of course, sat upstairs and felt bad because I had, I knew that I had upset my mother because she was very sensitive to my moods and she was just trying to be helpful. And so my self-talk would be, oh, you know, I'm, I'm just 
I don't know why I'm like this. I really am not helping myself, but I feel like I I can't help it. Um, I know she's going to criticize me and I don't want to hear about it. Um, but I know I made her feel bad at the same time. And so it would be this awful cycle of thoughts. And eventually uh, it got to the point where my system couldn't take it. Of course, I, I didn't consciously realize any of this. The dorsal system works uh, unconsciously. We, we don't realize that our reactions are doing that. We need to become conscious of it and aware of it, which I'll talk about in a bit. But at the time, I didn't realize that my reaction was something that was automatic, um, that I felt unsafe and threatened by my mother trying to help me. And instead of talking to her about it and explaining to her why I felt that way or why I was reacting that way, I shut down. And, uh, you know, she would come upstairs and try to talk to me about it. And I wouldn't want to talk to her. And it was a, a very difficult time for both of us. Uh, she's extremely sensitive about me talking about all of this because it brings up a lot of memories for her. And so I'm always a bit reluctant to share, but I'm hoping that if she does listen to this episode, she understands that it's a way for me to be able to share my own experiences with, with my listeners and to help everyone uh, through my own experiences to improve their well-being and, and how they react in situations. Because I'm not the only person. I may, you may not shut down completely, but you may experience flight or flight. Fight or flight because, again, in our autonomic nervous systems, we have a way of unconsciously, below the surface, feeling that we need to protect ourselves because we feel threatened. And it could be the way someone looks at us. It could be the tone of voice. It could just be the fact that we've already put in our minds that if someone speaks to us even in a helpful way that we're going to shut down or feel some way of getting to a safe place. And that safe place is either running away or shutting down. So I mentioned that uh, I was in sort of this dorsal mode or um, in, 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 the, the, in the dorsal or shutdown uh, of my autonomic nervous system. Um, and again, like I said, I am not a practitioner. I'm not a clinician. I am just sharing with you my understanding of, of all the research that I've done. And um, 
I, like I said, I will share the links to all that I have uh, learned from in order for you to be able to go and investigate further. So the terminology may not be exactly as it's supposed to be, but I feel this topic is just so important that I wanted to share it. Uh, educator to educator and just normal person to normal person. But there are several people who are experts in the field and are doing the research themselves and are clinicians. Uh, and so I, I highly recommend finding out more if, if you're interested in, in doing uh, further work. Um, also, if you are receiving counseling, uh, are you, you know, you're, you're already involved in, in working on yourself, then I would definitely say if you haven't discussed with your counselor polyvagal theory, I, I would definitely encourage you to, to bring it up um, during a session if you feel my, my podcast has been helpful. So what I want to do now is just briefly go back. And again, I'm going to share the graphics, the link to these graphics in the show notes. But it's uh, on a web page called uh, Trauma Geek, and uh, by a cl- by a clinician also. And so I want to just explain a bit about what is a safe and social state for your vagus nerve. So the vagus nerve is the major nerve in your body. It uh, starts at the um, behind the ear, sort of at the bottom of your your skull and goes through every single, connects every single major organ. So your lung, your heart, your digestive system, your breathing, um, your sensory system, all of that is connected through your vagus nerve. And the vagus nerve is also part of the parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system. So a lot of functions of our body from our organs, like breathing and um, blood circulation, blood pressure, all of that is regulated by the vagus nerve. So you can sort of begin to see how our autonomic nervous system can affect how we feel based on the fact that the vagus nerve is so connected to our major organs and can react unconsciously. Okay, so what is a safe and social state? It's a ventral vagus nerve circuit. So polyvagal theory um, and clinicians talk about the ventral. Okay, so when we're in ventral, we feel safe, we feel calm. So let me describe. The body feels like it has a calm heart, soft, expressive gaze, deep, regular breathing, open body language, relaxed posture, increased prosody, which is the rhythmic variation of vocal tone, and hearing tuned to human voices. Okay, so that's the safe and social state. That's where we should be all the time. That's where we are when our systems are balanced. Okay, so our emotions feel joy, we feel hope and love. 
uh, connection, contentment, curiosity, all of that is in this ventral vagus nerve circuit. Our behaviors look like we can problem solve, our, our thinking is clear, we can collaborate, um, meditate, we have mindfulness, we feel a connection to nature perhaps, um, and there's safe touch and intimacy. Okay, so that's the safe and social state, the ventral. In the sympathetic spinal chain nerve circuit, we have fight or flight. Okay, so the sympathetic system is the fight or flight. The body feels like a fast heart rate, wide alert gaze, fast shallow breath, quick but monotone voice, Mid-range hearing loss, we don't hear everything that's going on around us, uh, muscle bracing or pain, uh, our gut shuts down, uh, hunched posture, we are hyper-aroused perhaps or hyper-focused. So as you can see in the sympathetic spinal chain nerve circuit with fight or flight, the nervous system perceives begins to perceive a threat and it has to make a quick decision in order to make us feel safe again or keep us safe of fight or flight. So emotions might feel like excitement, anger, frustration, disgust, hate, anxiety or fear, uh, desire to move away, uh, behaviors might look like uh, intense crying or yelling, shouting, shaking or trembling, running away, avoiding social situations, um, trying to be dominant, attempts to control, lying or violence. Okay, so that's the sympathetic nervous system. The shutdown state or freeze has to do with the dorsal vagus nerve circuit. And that's what I talked about with my example at the beginning. I often found myself, not just when I was in high school, but until I really began to feel my sense of self-belonging, my reaction was often not fight or flight. My reaction was dorsal. It was shut down. I would shut everything out, almost to the point at times, because I was so upset and probably suffering from a depression that I, I, I really, it was almost catatonic. Now it wasn't catatonic, but because I could hear what was going on around me, but I had felt there was this inability, or I felt an inability to be able to come out of it. Um, I, I felt so totally threatened, um, which is, you know, extreme. Uh, but, and I, I, at times I realized it, but I, I couldn't, I didn't realize that I was the one who could control it until later on. And as I'm learning more about polyvagal theory, that's what I'm going to tell you we're all able to do. So um, the body feels like when we're in dorsal or the shutdown free state, the body feels we, our, our heart rate slows, uh, we have cold, pale skin, 
Uh, our po posture slouches. We're not sitting up straight anymore. Uh, we gaze downward. We don't want to look directly at anyone or anything. Uh, we sometimes experience low blood pressure. Uh, we have a higher tolerance of pain. Um, this is, again, a way of keeping us alive. Remember, this is all about the sympathetic and the dorsal are ways that our body keeps us safe. It's survival. And they're innate, built into our DNA from ancient times. Um, we might uh, um, feel increased numbness. Um, we might not move. Um, this leads to systemic inflammation often, which can be uh, related to uh, uh, IBS or other digestive disorders because the dorsal vagus nerve circuit is directly connected to our digestive system. And so if you have uh, colonitis or you suffer from any kinds of reflux or indigestion or gut-related problems, uh, it's, it's your dorsal nerve, dorsal vagus nerve circuit that, that is um, creating this, which is all the more reason why we need to become more aware of how we can control and tamp down our reactions that are automatic, but if we're aware and mindful, we can tamp them down a bit and, and increase our sense of safety and balance that out. So again, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about that um, later on. So what are the emotions we might feel if we're in dorsal? Shame, grief, confusion, uh, sinking or drowning, something around us is, is terrorizing us or life-threatening, um, extreme distress, unworthiness. So you can see people who are involved in any kind of traumatic situation, uh, whether it's a one-time thing or an abusive situation, personally or professionally, you can see that this dorsal uh, system is a way to protect you from being harmed. And so it disconnects you from that feeling, uh, from that sense of trauma. We could feel nothing. We could feel numbness. Often uh, depression uh, is related to this feeling of the, the dorsal vagus nerve circuit. Um, almost overreacting, again, uh, overreacting because it's, it's sensing the sense of danger, whether it's from a traumatic experience or anything else, uh, something that happens all the time and is trying to help us stay safe. Behaviors might look like memory loss, dissociation, uh, catatonia in very extreme situations, quiet crying, um, sense of no or low motivation. Um, you might become suicidal. Uh, you just want to, to sleep all the time. You don't want to have anything to do with anybody. You might faint uh, or collapse. Uh, you might, might experience um, or start self-harming. And so it's really important 
for us to understand how our nervous system works, our autonomic nervous system works, because we don't have to, we're not beholden to our nervous system to automatically do things. We can take some control. We also have to remind ourselves, uh, as Deb Dana has said, a clinician who works with Dr. Stephen Porges and has put out several books about the polyvagal nervous system in practical ways that we can um, learn to be able to take some control over so that we don't have to react in the ways that are extreme. We can come back to a sense of safety and balance faster. Some of the recommendations that Deb Dana makes for those situations, if we've automatically reacted in that way, she mentions uh, ways to self-regulate. So in a situation where the sympathetic or fight flight has reacted, you can discharge the energy, the negative energy that you feel by singing, uh, going to the gym, doing some exercise, doing yoga, dancing, just actively mobilizing your system in an organized way because when the sympathetic fight or flight reacts, uh, you become disorganized. Your thought processes uh, are difficult to manage. So self-regulation is being more active active by discharging that energy. If you are in dorsal, however, um, it's difficult to interact with other people. And so you might want to get out into nature, text a friend, uh, because you probably don't want to be around anyone else. But you do need to be able to figure out a way to... to um, to get back to that safe feeling. So I um, want to get into a little bit, because I, do, I don't want to make this a really, really long podcast episode, because there are so many things that I could discuss in relation to how this affects us. But if you're sitting and listening right now, you're probably saying to yourself, gee, that resonates with me. Because nobody goes through life without their nervous system reacting and putting us in some sense of survival mode. Uh, it could be something small, like uh, like just you know you were in the car and somebody you know drove by you and cut you off, um, and so that was that was momentarily scary. But if you're your autonomic nervous system has experienced this before, or you, let's say you were in an accident or something like that as a result, then it might, might let's say, overreact um, and make you feel like, oh, I have to pull to the side of the road. I, I can't drive any longer. Or it may make you feel like you, you need to shut down in, in an extreme situation where your autonomic nervous system feels that sense of serious threat. So that's just a bit of background, but what I want to do now is give you some tips 
Uh, it's also, I've mentioned them in my, in my blog post for this week. So you can go back and read my blog post where I give you another, a couple of examples, not necessarily directly related to polyvagal theory, but to the kinds of things that I was experiencing before I became aware that I could take control of my, my reactions, the way I react in certain situations so that I can pull myself back into a self-regulated uh, situation where I feel calm and safe again. So that idea of self-regulation, how, how do I get to the point where I can regulate myself? So the first thing that, that you can do in order to become more aware of how you're reacting is learn more about your nervous system. And if you're learning about your nervous system and you're an educator in a classroom or a coach uh, in the school or a school system, I would highly suggest that once you feel comfortable with the information, even if it's not a, an, yet you don't feel the expertise yet, is to point people in a direction and start talking about how our nervous system works and to take a look at the polyvagal nervous, uh, the polyvagal theory and how our autonomic nervous system works. So when I first realized that I was miserable and I was isolating myself from so many people and from social situations, uh, and I didn't want to live the rest of my life like that. So I was about 35 or 36 years old, had already lived miserably for about 20 years. And I just wasn't going to do it anymore. I was also making the people around me that I love miserable also. And so what were some of the steps that I took and what's, what are some of the things that you can do to start on a path to taking more control? Now, this is a process. Uh, take little steps. Uh, notice and be mindful of your improvements. Don't expect overnight results. And if you have someone you trust and can confide in, take them along with you because we have to self-regulate first, but in order for us to really feel a sense of self-belonging, and calmness uh, with our autonomic nervous system. We need that co-regulation from others. So the first thing that I would suggest is make a mental or written list of accomplishments in your life. We don't often celebrate the things that we've accomplished. And because we have this negative self-talk, it often crowds out the things that we have done right. It could be something really simple. Uh, it could be something that happened a long time ago, but it's something that makes you smile. Think about how that situation or the accomplishment or all the accomplishments make you feel when you remember them. Savor those feelings. So really taste those feelings. 
relive that moment of accomplishment or those moments of accomplishment. And then conjure them up when you feel yourself slipping back into self-doubt. When you can hear yourself having that negative self-talk. Remind yourself, and it may be easier for you to think of just one thing that you've accomplished, and that's the thing that you remind yourself about every time you start to think that you're not an expert, you're not doing well, a student didn't do well in class today, you let them down. Sit down for a minute and just remember that accomplishment and savor the feelings that make you feel good about yourself. So that's the first thing that you can do. Again, these are just suggestions. So if this doesn't really work for you, that's fine. It worked for me. I'm not saying it will work for you, but I think of the four or five things I'm going to suggest, you can probably find something that will work for you here, or you may come up with your own. And if you do, I would love for you to share it on on social media, on my Twitter or my Instagram or my Facebook. And you know, I'm at Eileen Winokur. I would love for you to share it with the hashtag journeys two with the number two belonging. Um, the second one I would suggest that worked for me uh, was what are your strengths or superpowers? I like to call them. What do you do well that other people ask you help for? So think about something that you do well. And if you can't think about anything because you're just not in that mindset right now, think of the things that people come to you and say, you know, you're really good at, and it doesn't have to be a work-related or professional-related thing. It could be cooking or knitting or, or just listening. It could be anything. And then celebrate your superpowers and repeat the list to yourself when you begin feeling your confidence is slipping. Okay, so that's another thing that you could do. The third one is what big emotions overwhelm you? Name them. What are they? What are those big emotions that just sort of knock you down? Reflect on why they do. Think about it. Be mindful of your, your big emotions, what are they? We should also be teaching all of this to our students from an early age. They should be able to express those big emotions. They should be able to, to name their superpowers. They should be able to talk about the accomplishments, even in a short life. Well, with the big emotions, make a pact to give yourself grace and try not to judge yourself harshly when you mess up. So give yourself that space and grace. We're going to mess up. We're human, right? So if we have that big emotion or we feel that big emotion, it's okay. But let's be mindful that we're experiencing it and see how we can get ourselves back into that safe feeling, that calm feeling. The fourth one is think about a time that you did something spontaneously that turned out well in the end. Something you didn't plan or a change of plans that turned out better than what you had planned. This all has to do with a sense of control. And a lot of us are feeling that lack of control right now. There is so much uncertainty in the world right now. We really need to be able to feel a sense of control. So think about the things, what can you control? 
And if you don't control everything, it often turns out okay. I was a control freak. And you know what? When I realized that sometimes things didn't work out the way I had planned them, and it, ah, I would get so disappointed as a result. But you know, sometimes you have to plan things, but you can also be spontaneous. And sometimes things work out even better. And you know what? It feels good because you didn't spend all that time planning. So if that's something that is, is a, a problem for you, this feeling that you have to control everything or you have to have everything planned, try to think of a time when you didn't plan something and it still worked out okay or it worked out even better. And then when you're feeling a lack of control, think about it. Remind yourself about that thing. And again, you could be journaling or writing all these things down if, if you prefer. And then the last thing I have to suggest is to share your apprehension or your apprehensions about making these changes with someone you can confide in and trust. I mentioned it a little bit earlier. If you have someone you can share with, that is really, really important. Someone who won't judge you for, you know, trying to make these changes or feeling that you're, you're, you need to make these changes. And someone who will listen for understanding and act as a mirror to you. And perhaps even you could do that for the other person. It could be somebody close to you, a family member. It could be uh, someone you work with professionally. Um, it could be a friend. And if you don't have someone in your life like that, and you need someone like that, you can always reach out to me. I'm always happy. You can DM me. You can email me. Um, you can... Contact me however you want. I'm always happy to listen. And I am happy to, to listen for understanding and be your mirror. Um, all of this is to say that part of our building our sense of self-belonging, which is so important to our healthy relationships, whether personal or professional, and our sense of well-being and feeling healthy is related to how we view and know about our autonomic nervous system. The polyvagal theory is really important. I highly suggest you find out more about it. Again, all of the information that I've, I've, I've learned will be in the show notes. And I would love to hear from you if this has helped you, if any of it has resonated with you. The rest of December for my podcast episodes will be about building your sense of self-belonging and how you can get started on it. Uh, I hope that you have... Um, gained some additional knowledge from this episode. And I, I wish you all a wonderful week. And please reach out if you have any questions or uh, you need anything. On my website, you can sign up um, to hear from me. I am planning to put together a newsletter. It's taking me a little bit longer to get that newsletter together. But I will also, um, you will find on my website 
uh, a lot of resources about belonging, including self-belonging. So if you haven't visited my website, I highly suggest that also. Take care and have a great week, everybody. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you're inspired by what you heard, be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information about belonging, check my website, Journeys to Belonging, that's Journeys number two belonging, dot webstarts.com. See you next week.